buyers are being a little bit more picky. They want to choose instead of forcing their hand to buy a house just to buy a house now. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Tommy Doan. Tommy's a realtor that helps buyers purchase properties in the Bay Area. In this episode, we'll be giving you insight into the consumer mind and talk about what a home buyer is looking for in a rehab house. We'll go over tips to make your home more appealing to a wider rate of buyers, as well as some deal breakers that might make your home sit in the market for several weeks. If you enjoy this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday, and release the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and what do you do. My name is Tommy Doan. I'm a realtor from Socorro Real Estate in the Bay Area. Our main office is located in San Francisco. And how'd you get into being an agent? I mean, I previously was going to kinesiology major, but I figured my friends were talking to me about being an agent because he's an agent himself. I kind of had the mentality of, you know, the sky's the limit. I didn't want to get capped on or whatever... I wanted to be working in. So I figured I'd try out real estate. And, you know, with real estate, there's no limit on how much you can make per year. So I want to be able to provide for my family. How has that been so far these past four years? Like, what was that transition like? Transition was definitely um, hard uh, just because, you know, going into the market or in the industry, a lot of people are kind of weary about you being a new agent or whatnot. But being able to kind of be mentored um, by my friend and other agents in the company, they were able to really lead me and let me follow and shadow them. So learning in the industry was good, but, you know, retaining clients, getting clients, that was that was the hard part. But that was what I expected. Yeah. And so what was that like? You know, like first year you did so many deals and now you're in year four. How's that been like? It's been amazing. Um, just being able to see myself kind of grow as a person and as a realtor uh, kind of has some satisfaction to it. Uh, just being able to see that I'm not stagnant, that I'm, you know, climbing up and up. Cool. What has your deal flow been like so far? In the first couple of years, it was, you know, a couple of deals here and there, but now it's been progressively going at a steady rate. This year have gotten two deals down already. I'm expecting to have four or five more by the end of the year. Damn, all stacked at the end of the year. It's pretty cool. And so what kind of clients do you typically help? Are they like oh, new home buyers or are they kind of people who've already been around the block and they kind of know what they want already? My clientele has been primarily first time home buyers. I have like one or two that uh, own a home before maybe in Southern California. So they want to buy a property to live in in Northern California. But primarily, um, most of my clientele are first time home buyers. Gotcha. And where are you going to find these clients? Through my network, going out to events, talking to people, meeting new people, seeing what they are looking for in terms of anything, not just homes, but what they are looking for in life, uh, going through my network of friends. Um, big thing about this industry is word of mouth. And so a few of my clients have been just been referrals from my other, my previous clients. So you're focusing mostly in San Francisco or what part of uh, the Bay Area are you working in? I focus mostly in San Francisco and along the peninsula and San Jose just because 
Um, I went to San Jose State for for my college, and I lived there for a few more years after that. So I know the area quite well. Um, actually, you know, closed a couple of deals down in San Jose and working with a few more clients right now. So I know that area really well. So I would say I work on the west side of the bay. What are some of the things that new home buyers are looking into? Because you know, as investors, we're creating these homes for these new home buyers,、mm-hmm. and sometimes we think that something looks pretty, and something, and this is something that like a new home buyer really wants, but in reality, they care about something else entirely. I would say each home buyer is pretty different,、uh, especially the first-time home buyers. I think they're really scared of looking into homes that might need renovation because they don't want to go through that work. They want things ready to go, and you know, on your side as an investor, you're going to make sure these things are ready to go, move-in ready. One thing that really stood out to me with my clients is the floor plan. A lot of things they are looking for is open floor plans. Uh, they want to make sure the flow is like good. They don't feel constricted, even though they're kind of buying into maybe a fifteen hundred to two thousand square foot home. They want to make sure they have the entertainment space and open area just to you know have people over and just to see, being able to see their kids while like maybe they're in the kitchen. They want to. They don't want a wall in, in between the living room and the kitchen. That's so interesting because. I guess in older homes, there's always a wall between the living room and the kitchen because when you're cooking food in the kitchen, you don't want the smell to like permeate through the whole house.、Mm-hmm. Now we just bust those walls down, and yeah, you're gonna cook something crazy. It's gonna get all over <laughs> all over your home. Yeah, it's so crazy. I mean, I just think people now they don't really care about that. They just want to have more and more space now. <laughs> It makes for good rooms for parties, right? You just have everything right there in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Do people care about feng shui at all? Ah, <sighs> feng shui. No, actually, I haven't haven't had a client that worries about that. Okay, good. Because、yeah. sometimes they're like, "Oh, this house is not north facing," or blah blah、mm-hmm. blah, and I'm like, "Are you serious? Does that matter?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually, I'm working with one client where he wants one side of the home to have a lot of sun. You know, when the sun rises. So I, that would be the only client that have any particulars about that. And what about like for front and backyards? I know in SF that probably isn't super common, but you know, in San Jose single-family homes mostly do have front yard and backyard space.、Mm-hmm. Uh, do people care about what you do there as an investor? I think you kind of think about who are you trying to aim aim at. Are you trying to have families coming in? Of course, when you have families coming in, you kind of want the backyard for their kids. That's what I'm having a lot of priorities. With my clients that are family based,、um, they want a backyard. But as for the the single and maybe married couples, they don't really have an issue with that. Any kind of space, it doesn't have to be a big backyard. Maybe a space for a barbecue that would be great. So, I think that's where a lot of clients are coming in. Was like, oh, I want I want a nice backyard.、It、doesn't have to be too big as long as I have room to kind of have a barbecue in. So I think. As an investor, maybe that could be something to kind of look into. Just having a big enough backyard to have a barbecue spot. Yeah, because you know, barbecue is a pretty big space, and then you have the option to you know keep it as you know grass.、Mm-hmm. You can put concrete in the back for like more of a barbecue area. Yeah. Or you can put like bark in there so that it's like low maintenance, dry landscaping.、Mm-hmm. Has your clients ever commented saying they want more of which 
in the backyard or is it more like they don't really care it is what it is they'll take it i would say majority just don't so doesn't, doesn't really care of course if if it's there they're probably not going to change much of it they'll they'll deal with it but most of my clients so far they it's usually a, a grass backyard and they don't mind at all and what's like a deal breaker where someone will walk into a house and they'll be like, nah, we're going to pass on this one? I would say it's the, the room sizes. Oh, really? Yeah. Room sizes are a huge deal breaker just because they want to have that kind of room for themselves or for their kids. They don't want them to kind of be in a room where it's very constricted. I would say those are one of the main deal breakers, room sizes. And have you seen like kind of like a minimum square footage for room sizes that was like noticeable that people didn't like? A four bedroom and a 12 foot, 1200 square foot, that'll kind of limit the size of the room. Got it. So like, you know, like a 90 square foot room is probably not sufficient, right? Like yeah. By 10 bucks, probably not good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have you seen like fancy tech gadgets? Has that improved or like wowed people, you know, like... I don't know how to describe it. You know, kitchens and bathrooms sell houses, right? So right, right. have you seen like modern tech really like wow your buyers? Be like, damn, I want this house because it's all souped up with all the latest tech gadgets. Or is it also another like, mm, cool, but not a deciding factor for us? No, I think that's a really good part of the house um, that my clients like a lot. Because a, a lot of my first time home buyers, they're a little bit on the younger side. So they appreciate all the tech stuff. Uh, we went to look at a house and... Most of the speakers throughout the house are controlled by um, Alexa Echoes. So you can actually talk and then it'll kind of work along with you, like oh, lower, the, lower the volume or turn down the lights. So I think those are the things that kind of stood out for my clients. Yeah, and it's really cool to show it off too, right? If you're an open house and you have, like one of my properties has like a touchscreen TV or has a touchscreen refrigerator. So everyone's like going in there and messing oh, yeah. with the refrigerator because it looks really cool. Yeah, I think that's a really good like uh, selling point for a lot of the buyers, for sure. Exactly, they see that and they're like, wow, this is really cool. It comes with a house, it's like mm-hmm. smart. They have like smart stoves now. They have the, everyone has a Nest thermostat, yeah. ring doorbell. But man, a big problem is that when you're in an open house, you don't usually get Wi-Fi, right, for your homes. You just kind of leave it there and you wait for the new home buyer to come in and install their like Comcast, their Comcast yeah. plan or something like that. So what's like the market like in SF right now? The market in SF is still pretty standard. I wouldn't say it's as hot as it was last year. Last year, if you were to compare it one-on-one, um, last year was just an influx of people coming with all cash, no contingencies, just spiking all the houses up. But this year, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. I think the buyers right now are being a little bit more particular with what they want. Um, so we're seeing a few, like some of the houses in the SF market staying on the staying on the market for a little bit longer than two weeks. Two weeks is pretty standard in the past in SF, but now it's kind of slowing down. Again, buyers are being a little bit more picky. They want to choose instead of forcing their hand to buy a house just to buy a house now. So I, I think the market is slowing down a little bit, but not too much. And with the rates going, they're slowly climbing back up now too as well. You've been talking about the mortgage rates, right? Yeah. What are your clients typically getting for their mortgages now? Like 30-year fixed loans? So for the 30-year fixed loans, I actually had one of my buyers 
they we ratified a couple of days ago and they got it at a three and a quarter. Really? Yeah. That was very crazy. It was more like the standard was three and three and three eighths. And then they had a relationship discount through Wells Fargo and they brought it down to a three and a quarter Jeez. and they locked it. And it's like, it's crazy. You never really hear three and a quarter. Um, but I think now the, the rates are slowly climbing back up a little bit. So I was telling my buyers, you know, get in while you can, while the rates are low. Yeah, but like everyone's scared now, aren't they? They're kind they of scared are. to purchase. They are. Just um, because rumor has it where we might go into recession. Uh, really depends on the presidential debate. But I don't really go into that. But I always tell them, like, if you think you're ready, you have to take that chance. Because um, what if the recession doesn't happen and prices spike, spike up again next year? Dude, that's so true. Because, I mean, right now, like right now, right now, we're not even in a recession, but I see prices slipping. Yeah. And like like you said, prices are down from before, like 10 to 20% from last year's peak, for real. And uh, mortgage rates are even lower than they were before, you know, past three years. So 3.25, that's freaking amazing. Yeah. And on top of that, people actually have a lot of money now. Like my buddies, they are working their full-time jobs. They are getting raises and promotions based on the past couple of years' performance, and their mm-hmm. stock has appreciated in value. So they actually have more money, and the houses are cheaper, and the loans are cheaper, but this is not buying. What the hell? It's, it's tough. I think it's just the possibility of it failing on them is, is pretty pretty high. I think they just need to be have someone out there to be able to help them kind of go past that threshold of taking that leap of faith into the market because if we're just going to wait, you can wait forever. A lot of people that wants to buy now, they regret not buying 10 years ago. Of course. And it could be the same thing here. I mean, that's how I feel, right? Like <laughs> There was so much good stuff back in 2010, 2012. Mm-hmm. I was actually looking to buy some properties over in Merced while I was still in college with yeah. my with one of my buddies. And, you know, at the time, my dad was like, oh, careful, like market's kind of slow still, blah, blah, blah. Right. Not buying. Now the house appreciated by $200,000. Oh, man. It would have been great. But you don't know what you don't know at the time, right? Exactly. My, my current hypothesis is right now, people are like really scared of a recession happening, right? Mm-hmm. But oh, and so they're storing up a lot of cash, like liquid reserves. When the recession, quote recession, happens, it'll be very, very short because people got burned so bad last time that this time they won't be as burned. Yeah. And then when the recession happens, they'll be like, "Yeah, it's time to buy." They'll buy, and then the recession will instantly go away, and it will be like soaring way higher than we were before. Oh yeah, that's my thoughts. At least I don't know if you think the same way. No, I I do think the same way, and I think we're. We're in the Silicon Valley. We're doing so well with the tech boom, right? And it's just kind of hard to see how the recession will impact impact the Bay Area. Yeah, you, you never know. Yeah. So what are the average prices that your clients are purchasing at? Uh, I would say average prices are going from uh, 1.2 to 1.4. That's pretty good for single-family houses, right? Yeah. And what are the typical like buyer personas like? Who are they? What kind of demographic are they? Like age-wise, like married, whatnot. My range is around 30 to 35. 30 to 35 years of age. Most of them are married. I do have a client that's not married, but they're together. And so, you know, they bought a house together. Uh, Marriage is the next step. So it's most of these couples that are 
looking to spend, of course, the next 30 years or their lifetime with each other. And they're looking to kind of find that forever home for them. So when they purchase a home, they don't think of it as this is my starter home. I'm going to buy this one and move up in like five or 10 years. Are they thinking like, all right, I can see myself living here for a long, long time. I would say my clientele is about half of that. I would, half my clients are kind of looking, this is their forever home. And the other half's like, all right, I can see myself for maybe 10 years and then um, see where we can buy another one or upgrade uh, after that. So especially for those people who have their forever home, I'm guessing school district is probably one of the most important factors in the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so most of them are, when they're finding the forever home, they want to make sure their kids are going to the right schools. Of course, like you said, location is very important for those for those school districts. Right. And also, I guess another big factor for them is maybe proximity to their work. Work is not too bad. I think they sacrifice school district for, for work commute. Um, they don't mind driving uh, maybe 20, 30 minutes to work or even taking public transportation. Um, just as long they they have the right location for their family. Do you look at elementary school, middle school, or high school when it comes to those? I think they're primarily looking to elementary and middle schools because I think from from my clients they kind of talk about how they want their kids to be you know developed through the right school uh, districts in the beginning. Um, I think that's very important to them and and how they grow up and who they have around in their surroundings uh, growing up right during mm-hmm. their most influential years yeah and that's pretty interesting because when i i guess when i was first starting to do this i always look at high school right because right. i'm from the bay area i know okay this high school sucks this middle school is okay i always thought that because of that they would not want to buy this property where the high school sucks but mm-hmm. what i found is that they don't care too much because they're always thinking like i could always move their kid to private school if it comes down to it from yeah. high school or if, like we said before, they could kind of move, right, in 10 years before they get into high school, too. So, um, yeah, I think the elementary and middle schools are pretty important uh, when, when they're kind of looking for location-wise. Yeah, it's so crazy because, again, I was looking at properties in the past. I would see, let's say, like Santa Clara High School, right? It's a decent mm-hmm. high school. But then there are some elementary schools that suck. But because I saw that this same house also goes to Santa Clara High, it should have the same you know, equivalent value to this other school where the elementary school is better, but that's not the case. <laughs> so they're usually 30 to 35 years old. Marriage, it's more important to say that they have dual income, right? They're kind of like pulling yeah. resources together. And are they both working in like tech, finance? Like what is their typical career? And do you know how much they're like making per year? On average, each person, regardless if they're married, single, uh, or, you know, just together but not married, they're making at least a hundred k, six figures. I think it's split actually f- between finance and uh, tech. Oh really? So their finance. Uh, wh- what does that mean? Like finance? You mean like investment banking or VC funds or what's what's finance? They maintain the the budget. So budgeting for their company in in that finance field. Not too much of in in the investment side. So you mean like they're uh, it's like CPAs, tax auditors? Yeah. So yeah. Like that? Okay. Yeah, I would say most of my clients are on the business side of where they're working. And then, like, are they putting a lot of money as down payment? And are they getting those down payment funds from outside help, like their parents? I think that's also kind of split in the middle. Most of them have clients that are working in their profession for at least five years. So they have a lot of stock buildup. They were able to save a lot of money. Um, 
and they were able to pull out funds from their 401k and from all the money that they saved up. But the other half of my clients are actually having their parents help them out uh, from getting the down payment because some some of my uh, some of the first time home buyers they think they're ready, but the main problem was down payment. They could pay off the mortgage like fine, but they just ha- never had the money saved up for the down payment. And for a down payment for a million dollar home, it's twenty percent, two hundred thousand dollars. Not a lot of people save that up. Yeah, that's true. And it's hard to save that much money, especially without outside help or mm-hmm. if you're just starting your career. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people they have like RSUs and stuff. That's why it helps them with their mortgage payments too, right? Like that's kind of towards your income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I mean tech workers make a lot of money here? Definitely, and a lot of people are also talking about IPOs, right? A lot of the tech tech companies that went IPO, the prediction was that prices are going were supposed to spike up, but not a lot of people know that for the tech companies that go IPO, their money doesn't even come kind of like alive or fruition until next year. That's right. Like Uber and Lyft went IPO earlier this year, but they won't be able to vest out of it for another year or two. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But when that happens, do you think that the market is going to spike up? Yeah, I think so. I think when that actually happens, a lot of sellers are going to be educated by their agents or even by the public that, you know, a lot of these people out of these companies are having a lot more money now. Actually, I hear some sellers waiting for that to happen so they can put their house on the market. So they're putting a hold uh, for their house to be on the market until that happens. It's so interesting. Yeah. So maybe 2020 will be a big boom in real estate. It could just be. Like, maybe maybe 19 and end of 18 was just like, you know that like when you have waves, sometimes you got pulled back a little bit and then yeah. it's going to be a big boom. What do you do to, pre- to prepare for this uh, potential wave of big business in the future? Try to talk as to as many tech people as I can, right? I mean, one thing is about real estate is you always got to go networking. You always got to talk to the people. Make sure, you know, you're talking to as many people as you can each day. Um, how else are you going to prepare for your next clients to come in? Uh, they're not just going to come in, you know, randomly. It all has to have a plan about that. Yeah. So are you going to like birthday parties and stuff to network with other people? Yeah, birthday parties, uh, my own friends, you know, events. I try to go to any any kind of event as much as possible um, to to get that networking out there. So when you're walking clients through uh, different properties, what's the process like? Like they find you, they say, I'm ready to buy a house. Let's go. And then what do you guys usually do? You know, I have a meeting with them. I talk to them, find out what are their priorities, right? Um, what can they live without and what they can live with? What are some deal breakers? So as we go through the house, I help them point out the facts like, oh, you know, this is what you guys were looking for. Oh, this isn't here. Are you guys all right with that? Um, I'm, I'm the kind of agent that is not going to push them. Uh, to buy something that they're not truly in love with, I want to make sure they're happy, right? Because they're spending a lot of money into a home. So I make sure the process is a happy process for them and a smooth process as much as possible. But as, as at the same time, I want to make sure they're buying something that they can call home instead of just buying something just to buy. Yeah. And there's a big thing called buyer's remorse. I'm sure oh, yeah. your clients have had that many times, right? Yep. Like they win the bid and they're like, oh, we paid too much. Right. And you're like, not really. And also this is the home that you wanted. So stop complaining. <laughs> exactly. It's it's so crazy. I've kind of just got into that kind of situation in the past couple of days. 
uh, we ratified, you know, they're happy. But as we kind of go through, we still had contingency. So we were going through the process and they're like, we kind of don't want this anymore. And so as we go through that, we were, luckily we had a contingency. We got out of the contract and we actually bought, we got into another contract with a home that they really loved in the beginning, but they didn't want to pay as much. But I think, you know, we just got lucky, the price reduction. So we got into a home that they really love. And how many houses do people usually look at before they finally decide, all right, let's get into the contract for this one? I would say the average number would be five. So that's actually going through open houses mm-hmm. and you're taking them, you're taking them and you're looking at them with them and stuff too, right? Yeah. Okay. And are they finding the houses mostly on Redfin? Is that how it works? Or do you like kind of cater some stuff and, hey, check this out? Yeah, I actually do cater that. Um, we, I mean, as realtors, we have a system called the MLS, Multiple Listing Services. So we're able to set something up that kind of caters to what they want, like at least two bedrooms, at least two bathrooms. But of course, uh, I encourage them to look at all the other real estate platforms like Redfin and Zillow because um, they want to see what they want to see. I'm not going to discourage them from looking at anywhere else. If they like a property and they click a like on it, and that way I will know. That way I can how to set them up with all the disclosures, when uh, the open house times, what what kind of remarks do the listing agent have? Because that's not going to show on Redfin or Zillow. So I could tell them, oh, if it's ten occupied or any other particulars about the property. Can you quickly go over the three things you mentioned? Some of the priorities they like, something they can live without, and some things that are straight deal breakers. Uh, so I think the main thing was open floor plan. If the kitchen's open to the living room. That's one of the biggest things that they want to look for. Is that what you're kind of looking for and what you're asking? Exactly. Like, what do people care about now? Yeah. Like, again, everyone has their own personal tastes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we are creating a product for an end buyer, which is, you know, your clients. And like, I may, I don't, I don't, but I may like green walls, right? Right. And, but that's not what the buyer wants, you know, yeah. like, are there particular colors that people care for nowadays and just stuff like that? Colors, not so much. I think the main common color has been like gray and white. I see those in a lot of homes. But yeah, the main thing is like open floor plan, um, making most of it modern. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest points of just when you're kind of reinventing a home is make everything modern, nice and sleek, not too much complex colors or complex patterns so it's one one thing or the other sometimes my clients will want a bigger room but one of my other clients want more entertainment space so the living room has a huge impact because you want to be able to invite your friends and family over because you want to show off your new home then you know that's one thing to kind of really look 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 into and how about things they can live without Uh, i think they can live without is Backyard space, like I uh, kind of mentioned earlier, some say they can have their minimal space of doing whatever they need to do, such as barbecue. Uh, they don't need a really, really big backyard. So like one of my friends who is also an investor, she actually doesn't put in refrigerators into her projects. Is that something mm. that they can live without? You know, a home that's not fully filled with appliances? I think they would appreciate it, but I don't think it's something they they can't live without. As long as it kind of reflects on the price they can live without it without those appliances maybe they could even buy something that they actually like themselves and put in put in themselves 
And again, what are some straight deal breakers? Natural light. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, right? For me, I'm like, you're going to be working all day. And when you come home, it's going to be dark. So just turn on the light. And you're like, nah, 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 nah. I want to see the sunrise in my room. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, natural light. I think those are one of the big deal breakers for a lot of my clients. They want as much sun as possible. Good to know. Good to know. So, Tommy, thanks a lot for your time today. How can people get in contact with you? Uh, they could call me by my cell number. I'm always available. Uh, my cell number is 415-401-5923. Or contact me through email at tommy at sequoia-re.com. Well, Tommy, thanks so much for your time and sharing us a little bit more about the buyer profile and the current market conditions in the SF Bay Area. And yeah, if anyone's looking to uh, purchase a home for yourself and you're looking for something in San Francisco or San Jose, give Tommy a call. All right, Tommy, thanks. Take care. Here are some of the key takeaways from this episode. Open floor plans are all the rage right now. Find ways to open up the entertainment space so people feel like they have more room in their home. People will sacrifice a shorter commute if it means that their kids can go to a better school. Elementary and middle school ratings are more important than high school ratings because they want their kids to grow up in a great environment. And right now, the market has softened even more and you're able to get a loan for a really low rate. Honestly, I think it's a great time to buy a home if you plan on staying in it for a long time. Feel free to call Tommy or send me an email if you have any questions about buying a home in the Bay Area. Hope y'all learned a lot. You can find the show notes on our site, everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.